1: Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. That's the name of the network, not the name of this podcast. That's what it's going to read on your favorite podcast platform. Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Nope. After 109 episodes, it's, it still hasn't caught on with me. I'm not okay with it, but its they give us ads, so we're gonna go with that and you could just know that the David the podcast is the coming Fuel report and um, maybe I'll make that pause more pregnant the next time for more comedic effect on to this week's guest amazing comedian somebody whose name you should know had released is this first first special
2: uh, first I mean, like mini special, I guess First, you could
1: call it. <laughs> I mean, look, Netflix made a 15-minute special, which I think is a crime against whatever the hell you believe in. But um, it's a half hour, not 15 minutes. So it's a special. One of the hardest specials. I mean, goes hard in whatever I can remember. It's great. Called Sex Criminal. Please give it up for Alice Hamilton, everybody.
2: Whoa, screaming and cheering.
1: Yeah. Uh, As people walk into this cafe and wondering if I'm like a psychopath.
2: (laughs) They're cheering as they order their coffees.
1: Right. I'm like a new stereotype of, you know, it used to be the hackneyed thing to like go to a cafe and write your screenplay that will ever sell. Now I'm just recording a podcast.
2: (laughs) You're putting your own spin on it. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Uh, It is a week since you released Sex Chronol, which... uh, well, I'll let you uh, describe it in your own words. Uh, how and, and since in that week, how has it been?
2: Um, yeah, so uh, sex criminal, sex is spelled with a C, criminal spelled with a K. Because uh, my one of my sisters told me she thought it was funny when I said that the CK and Louis CK stands for sex criminal. That's, ah, uh, that's yeah. great.
1: That's great. So I was like, oh,
2: that'd be a good name of a special f- that's like about sexism. And um, I almost called this one Hannah Blacksby because I knew how preachy it was. But (laughs) then I remember sex criminals like, oh, shit, I'll just do that one instead and save Hannah Blacksby from the next preachy bullshit. Sure, (laughs) Um, sure, sure. But yeah, Crystalia is a despicable scumbag. uh, Right. And he. uh, And not funny, as you pointed out, and I 1000% agree with an absolutely atrocious hack just a fucking a fucking complete loser and he he also was like preying on his high school age fans and being needlessly cruel to his of age female fans that he was cheating on his girlfriends wives fiances everything on he also was like you know would just like get in a woman's car and then jerk off and, and like she'd be like stop and she'd get out of the car it's like he, he was doing a lot of like flashing and um just like an absolute menace to society so All I right. figured if I if I like recorded a 10-minute YouTube rant about why this guy sucks like no one's gonna watch it and right. he could just send his lawyers after me for defamation but if I did it as jokes then a more people would watch it and B, it's like if he sued me over jokes, um, then he'd lose all credibility as a comedian, and it would be worth it.
1: <laughs> right, and I think you do say allegedly in the special, so you're fine. And it's yeah. it's all I under do the that protection every of time on purpose. <laughs> yes, it's all under the protection of satire. Yep
2: fucking try because i know that he does like uses lawyers to harass like his victims
1: uh right well not only him but i always you you probably know this too anytime like a dude comedian or you know just some monster gets caught up in allegations or whatever if they take more than i don't know 10 minutes to apologize on social media that means they talk to their prt and they talk in a way that they never talk, and you know, <laughs> just read Will Smith's apology, and that's like, yeah, that's about like Will doesn't talk like that.
2: He talks uh, yeah. like,
1: get your name out. <laughs> that's how we talk.
2: Well, here's the thing: I I believe Will Smith's apology a thousand times before I even thought about Chris's... believing Crystal yet.
1: Oh yeah, well, uh, yeah, and you you say. Where you say he was preying upon his uh, underage fans, he says, I'm a victim of my lifestyle and I'm working on myself.
2: (laughs) He's like, I'm a sex addict, oh no.
1: I just can't stop having sex, guys
2: like yeah you could have as much sex as you wanted you just shouldn't also have a girlfriend that you're lying to about being faithful that's lame you could just mm-hmm. keep having sex all the sex you wanted just not with any high schoolers like right, right. you you did this to yourself you know
1: <laughs> right 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 now was there a specific like flashpoint moment like I I think you're such a funny comedian and you're rising upon the merits of your own comedy that had nothing to do with calling out predators before this and uh you're like you know what i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do this quasi roast thing that's now a special like what's the timeline of coming up with this idea And like, you know, um so i mean like, you should
2: have given myself I should have given myself more time. I am um, <laughs> yeah. I'm extremely nervous. I'm extremely nervous uh, on stage in the in the special because um, I was reading it out of a notebook, and I don't like to do that. I like to be memorized. I like to memorize my jokes like a monologue and just sure. you know recite the whole thing. I don't like doing crowd work. Like I I don't, right. don't want to talk to you. I want to talk at you, you know. So right. um, I am so ADHD that I needed to rent the venue in order to give myself motivation to write the show. So originally it was just going to be like that first six or seven minutes of D'Elia jokes and then like mm-hmm. 20 minutes of my regular material. Right. Um, I was just gonna throw the D'Elia jokes online and then use the material uh, like for a tape. So my manager could try to get me like something with it.
1: Right. How much and, time did um, you give yourself? You booked it when? You booked it for like late last year, December like, or something?
2: Yeah, like three and a half weeks before I did. The show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so those half-hour like-
1: specials often draw from two years of material. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's worse than that. It's actually literally worse than that because I w- I did I put off writing anything for two weeks because I was like, I kind of know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that right. six minutes of D'Elia jokes that I did in the park. way, you know, right after he got canceled. And then I'm going to do 20 minutes of my other bullshit. I just have to sit, write those down, memorize them, yeah. even though I already know them and just like memorize the order I'm going to do them in. And so I thought, I don't have that much work ahead of me. But uh-huh. then um, Lee did a spot at the improv uh, literally a week before I recorded Sex Criminal and I went because I thought he might say something that I could use (laughs) to make a joke out of. Uh And instead, I just wrote like an hour of uh, some of it was like (laughs) just I I just wrote this whole fucking like diatribe and then I was really good at memorizing when I was in acting school. I could like memorize a monologue. Day of someone be like, oh, my acting partner's not here. I'd be like, give me their script. I'll do the scene with you in an hour and a half. I, I, you know, but that was before the pandemic and I spent a year, two years smoking weed every single day. (laughs) Uh, My Memorization is not what it used to be. So I had to write it all down in a notebook and obviously like who the fuck would try to memorize that much fucking material in like, I wrote the entire show in like, a day and a half after uh, Chris D'Elia did his show at the Improv. And then after that, it was just like a matter of like noting it, trying to trim the fat, which I didn't do enough of, which is why the whole thing's so choppy.
1: (laughs) This is how you know you're a real comedian, Ellis. What
2: about like ample time to prep? Ah,
1: Yeah, fuck that
2: no i know know
1: what i'm gonna do mostly
2: (laughs) it's so ridiculous because um like the stakes were so low explain
1: explain that more (laughs) why are the stakes so low i'm
2: not ready and i'm gonna postpone the show Uh but i didn't do that
1: Uh
2: i just tried to like barrel straight ahead right Instead, I was like, oh, I got two days to memorize, you know, like an hour. So Uh there's like jokes about like Jeff Ross and um, like Tom Segura that just kind of bombed because I hadn't tried them anywhere. Or they had like one good joke out of three kind of roasts about it. And it's like, I couldn't cut that one good joke out. So the whole thing just had to go.
1: Right, right, right. There's a lot of that. that, But like I was saying before, uh, I think... That there is like a rawness that's really like a great part of the special that comes from you having not prepared. That, like, had you worked it out too much, it wouldn't have been as great. Does that, I don't know if that was part of your plan, but that's how I felt.
2: I'm glad if that's, uh, you're not the only person who said that to me. And, um, cause I, I I'm just telling everyone that, like, what you consider raw, I would call nervous energy. <laughs>
0: sure, sure.
2: Um, and like, there's been some people like, honestly, I thought that the mean comments were gonna hurt my feelings. I've read a whole bunch of comments and I don't give a shit. Uh, um, most people are saying they loved it. And a few people are like, she's reading out of a notebook, that's bullshit. I'm like, I agree, I hate reading out of a notebook. I wish I hadn't been, but at the same time, it's like, it cost me nearly $700 all a total so I was like I'm not filming it again we're 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 going with this
1: (laughs) right right and also yeah I mean well Jen Kirkman for her last album she like she had like a printed out I guess set list or something like that on like a like a music stand yeah and just kind of went by one and you know what I mean I only heard the audio but I just like that didn't bother me no no
2: there are some like um, I was reading that article about why comedians need to stop obsessing over their haters. It, um, that was in I think I don't remember what magazine, Variety or something like that. Right. Um, but they use the term like genre purists, the type yeah. of people who like believe all stand-up comedy has to be, you know, like all just jokes. You can't be like serious for yeah. second. and you like can't read out of a notebook. And right. you have to be standing and walking around, and it's got to be so so many people. And it's like, no, stand-up comedy can be more than that. And like, I wouldn't. It wouldn't matter if these people understood that they don't have to like everything, but that everything's right. allowed. You know, right. it's totally okay if you don't like Nanette, right. but right. if you're angry that it exists, then you're probably one of the people she was talking about in the sure, spectacle.
1: sure, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I guess if you're to on the other side of the coin like i'm not going to invalidate delia's specials just because i don't like them i i mean they're comedy specials because he called them comedy do i find them funny i mean you could hold a gun to my head and you'd like tell me you think they're funny and i'd tell you to pull the trigger
2: yeah no i i tried to like him i really did think that like once I got to Los Angeles, all the real comedians were gonna be the people that were like, yeah, Delia sucks, like, fuck that dude and his douchebag fans. And um, I mean, like, I just mm-hmm. saw a clip where Brian Callan was saying like, Delia, most of your fans are in high school. Uh-huh. And so it's like, a, yeah, of course, adults don't like this. He's like, he like appeals to kind of like kids cause he just says dumb shit in a dumb voice while making a dumb face and doing dumb movements with his body. and, and- right. And I, I don't even want to like tear down that as the form of standup because it can be just like pure silliness um, when when it's not when it doesn't have this sinister undertone. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, well, also, do you remember this? That his Twitter bio forever was um, black comic white guy.
2: Like you're not a black comic.
1: No, you're not. Just because you do a bunch of
2: act outs. Does not make you a black woman. No, here's what people don't get about Chris D'Elia. Chris D'Elia's career was going to take that Dane Cook 2006 fucking nosedive. Right. Where it's just like you go from being on top to now everyone is making fun of people who ever thought you were funny because you just like burned too quick. And it's like D'Elia and not even that I, I don't want to even compare D'Elia to Dane Cook because I don't think D'Elia could sell out Madison Square Garden. You know, like he just D'Elia much worse. Dane right. Cook was much funnier than him. but again like dan cook appealed to junior high high school age people more than adults right and so it's like that sort of like i i kind of just in my own mind call it trendy comedy just because it like it it's like of the moment Mm -hmm. and it's just like the dumb shit that it it ages the quickest i feel like stand-up comedy all ages horribly but Mm -hmm. i think that that sort of trendy comedy gets old the quickest and then there's like that nickelback backlash where it's just fun to hate you and sure. that was going to happen to Chris D'Elia anyway. He right. just got me-tued first. Right, so right. It's, it's not like it ruined his career. It just, you know, preempted the inevitable, in my opinion.
1: Right. Because if your career is built on a foundation of, you know drunk drunk girls get, and then you just do a handstand almost with your head, if that's the bedrock of your comedic talent, you are not gonna laugh
2: long. I talked, yeah, I talked in the special about how, um, I cut it all out because it was more just a story than even funny. Um, I talked about how, like, you know, my sister told me to turn off Crystalia's special. It was one of the only comedy specials that she ever told me, like, stop, I don't wanna watch this. It was Comedy Central Presents Half Hour, and I changed it because I was like, this guy is awful. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, I thought that, um, actually I was getting my hair done by a white woman, she was chemically relaxing my hair. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she asked me what I like and I said, stand up comedy. And she was like, oh my God, I have to show you the funniest clip. And then she showed me a Dalia clip and because she's sitting right next to me, I got a fake laugh through right. his fucking drunk girl impression. right? And I remember being irritated at the time because he was saying well, like, oh, drunk girls, they act like this. And I was thinking, black drunk girls don't act like that Mexican and Asian. Dr- like you're saying girls, but you mean white girls. Right. And that, that pissed me off in the moment. <laughs> i really don't like it It's like if you mean white girls say white girls right you know? right
1: yeah i mean of all things Dalia being intersectional what
2: <laughs> yeah god yeah um, also
1: I- he would not be the person to tell that joke of like uh oh you know how drunk mexican girls get versus how drunk
2: yeah we shouldn't even all- be
1: doing comedy like that anymore
2: god it's like i, I feel like with people are saying everyone's like more sensitive and like they don't want race jokes it's i don't necessarily agree i think people are okay with race jokes they just want to know that the comedian isn't actually racist and that's where all these comics are getting tripped up because they don't want to have to prove that they're not racist because some of them are and some of them just are like they're not racist but they they feel power by telling like activists or like not activists like twitter randos who are like hey that joke was racist they're like you're sensitive and then they feel good and right. it's like, you just tell them, I'm not racist. I'm being silly and absurd. Racism is dumb. But instead, yeah. you just provoke them because that's more fun.
1: Right. And also, like, there's comics. I mean, it, you know, I won't say that they're exactly those genre purists, but they're, like, adjacent to it where, I mean, essentially, it's like, I still want to, like, make fun of Polish people like we used to. And it's like, well, comedy, I'd like to think, has moved past that. Like yeah. there, there's something more nuanced mm-hmm. about it. That, I don't know. Maybe you can do a whole five minutes on Lekwalesa or something.
2: Yeah, I hate stand-up comedy that's just a white guy pretending he's a bigot in some way or form, you know? it's like
1: Edgy, how edgy.
2: And most of these comics, they are like bigots. They are kind of uncomfortable around different races they're uncomfortable around gay people definitely trans people and they don't respect or like women really in any way shape or form other than I, fucking women right and so then they get up and they they tell these jokes and I was thinking the other day like um you know they say like a, a joke is just a sentence with a surprise at the end it, mm-hmm. it's like if a misogynistic man says some a sentence that ends in misogyny I'm not really surprised <laughs> <laughs> like more, I think more audience members feel the same way I do. A lot of people still, they don't care if you're racist, they just care if your joke's funny. And it like, but comedians can't really, the headliners of today can't really wrap their minds around the fact that more and more and more people are like, I actually would prefer knowing for a fact that you're not a sexist before I listen to your rape jokes, which I think is totally fair.
1: Sure. You know, I was just thinking like, okay, if we're to try to draw parallels in the world of like art, um you know it's almost like people who were like doing racist depictions of people of color because they're coming from this like uh western european background and they're like i want to keep painting like that in like (laughs) 1950 and we're like no that's bad we're done (laughs) we're done we're past that can we move past that God. No, it's, it's pure art. It's pure white, white art. I,
2: I heard, uh, I have two things to say about that. I have a Santino anecdote, but first I'm going to tell you about, uh, when I was like growing up in the like all white church that I went to, um,
1: where'd you grow up again?
2: Portland, Oregon.
1: (laughs) That's important to know.
2: Yes. I'm from Portland, Oregon. I went to Portland Christian center my whole life. (laughs) and like the white kids there they'd make fun of me and and make fun of like me with like racist jokes and they all had a lot more fun with it than I did so like when you hear these comedians say like jokes are all harmless it's like in a certain context if I was telling you all the racist jokes that those kids told me you'd probably laugh because in this context it's not that big of a deal you know because it's like me and you but there are certain contexts where you know jokes are more appropriate and sometimes you have to create that context i feel mm. like in your jokes and i feel like i'm um, jimmy carr i love him i think he's hilarious he uh
1: his laugh is disturbing though
2: <laughs> i don't even fucking mind it i'm here for it
1: <laughs> you i admittedly he sounds like an android when he laughs
2: it is a weird fucking laugh it's an absolutely unique you you know what let's call it unique let's not even unique <laughs> sure
1: okay we'll go with unique
2: Let's be woke and call it a <laughs> <laughs> but- Oh, that
1: that, that successful uh, white British comedian <laughs> needs to not be marginalized.
2: Yes. yes I'm trying to, trying to be considerate of him. Uh, he, he has a joke where he says, like, I make fun of, like, racism and sexism and homophobia because in real life, I think those things are ridiculous. And, like, I have no problem with that at all. You know, it's, it's, um, and, and it's like, you need that context sometimes because there are so many people who make, like, you can ask any gay person, you know, sometimes they'll be hanging out like, does this person like, you know, they can tell when someone's constantly making gay jokes because they're uncomfortable with gay people right. and they just can't stop thinking about the fact that you're gay and you suck dicks and you shouldn't suck dicks or whatever it is that's going through their fucking mind. Right. And so when you talk to these gay comics, they'll be like, yeah, people will hide how they feel about us behind humor. Right. and. I think the audiences don't want that anymore. And that's what um, so many comedians are like, you know, having trouble with. And they're, they're just saying audiences are sensitive. And it's like, no, we just, they just want to know that you're joking. I think yeah. that's really it. Right, anyway, right. This, you know, anecdote that I was going right. to tell you because I saw him telling jokes. Mm-hmm. And this is some of the ha- like most hack ass fucking bullshit that I've ever heard. Um, when, when, he and was- when was
1: this? What year? This, year.
2: this was okay. like a week before I released Sex Criminal.
1: <laughs> okay, shit. All right
2: um he was on stage and he was comparing himself to sonic the hedgehog and yeah (laughs) lovely and uh he was just saying like you know something that fucks with you in the game that's like the cops and something else that fucks with you that's like you know whatever and he's like you run into these things and you lose all your coins (laughs) women and I was like, are we still fucking doing this? Like, bitches want your money. Like, is it 1997 up there, Santino? Like, we're not doing this shit anymore. And it's like, you've been married for 10 years. Women taking all of your money. Either you're complaining about your wife. You're like, this this fucking bitch always with her hand in my wallet. And I was like, you married her. So you should want to share your money with her. Right. Or you're complaining about how expensive it is to constantly cheat on your wife. Either way, get fucked, man. Like, it's, <laughs> you know. And that joke, it got clapped. A bunch of men, like, were clapping over their heads because they agreed with it, not necessarily because it was funny, you right. know, like, it got, it got fucking clapped. Right. So, a lot of the sexism in comedy, comes in the form of like male comedians not giving a shit about a joke like that getting clapped her but then like shitting on you know hannah gatsby or any female comedian amy schumer for selling for saying something that gets clapped her right but it's like yeah you guys they they don't care when it's men men get less scrutiny they get less criticism on their comedy and oh yeah like, i
1: mean the uh, one of them just won a grammy
2: <laughs> right yeah so i just feel like i want to I want to start criticizing the comedy of of comedians that i feel like are are kind of getting off scot free while they're phoning it in
1: oh sure and yeah there are plenty that are phoning it like they got to a certain level of success they got a fan base yeah they got a successful podcast or whatever it is and they they don't really have to try anymore
2: yeah they can sell tickets when they show up and i'm happy for you know anyone who can build themselves to like a certain level of success and comfort through their own like opinions on life and and you know whatever it's fucking admirable but that doesn't mean that you fucking stop trying no you know i feel like joe rogan called tom segura a killer and then segura was like okay i don't have to try it's like mm -hmm. no you still fucking do
1: yeah absolutely um wait has tom did I haven't seen Tom in a long time. see, I, I knew he was learning his act in Spanish. That counts as trying to me.
2: I, I think that's cool. I think that's the best thing he's doing right now. Right. Um, but uh, I watched Ball Hog. Yeah. Um, and it, the whole thing is just like, not the whole thing, but it's like 40 fucking minutes of it is him just going like, isn't it gross that your your grandma sucked a dick and your mom sucked a dick and they did anal and they were like, you know, sucking on your grandpa's balls. And you're like, yeah, Tom, women have sex. That's how we all got here. Bro, what are you, what are we doing?
1: Also, my God, that is a time honor premise for, I don't know, 15 years now. Dude,
2: the we- idea that
1: we're all der- derived from cum.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we yeah. still doing this? I remember like being in like church camp and like as soon as you know the the bus drives out of the church parking lot to head over to camp you know some horny little boy behind you leans forward and is like you know your mom's sucking your dad's dick now that you're out of the house and it's like I feel like Tom took that and and stretched out for like a half hour (laughs) and it's just the whole the whole thing grossed me out because it's like Mm -hmm. the premise is like you know how it's bad when women enjoy sex. Well, your mom and grandma had sex, so they're bad. <laughs> and it's like just trying to be like shock value, but it's like it's not shocking that women have sex. It's 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 dumb if you're like think about your grandparents fucking. That's but like that's something a sixth grader would say. I don't know why you're doing that on stage for Netflix.
1: Yeah, and that said, here considering like, I think very highly of Christina Pusitsky, who's married to Tom Segura. Oh, I know that bitch.
2: <laughs> yeah, and
1: I feel like... I don't know. I haven't seen either of them in years, and I feel like Christina wouldn't let that fly.
2: Christina? Oh, man. Fucking Christina. I was just, like, shitting on Christina um, just because, like, Tom Segura was shitting on Jada. And it's like, uh-huh. Jada didn't do anything, so I'm going to shit on Christina, who hasn't done anything either right. <laughs> at, like, every single opportunity I fucking can. Right, um, right. She... Uh, in her Netflix special, she talks about how her stepdad was Indian. And then she does a bunch of like Indian jokes that you've heard before, like nine eleven, not seven eleven, and right. the dot Indian, not the feather Indian. She has like right. fucking ten of those. Right. And all of them are shit that you know you heard before in like fucking junior high. Right. Like, why are you do you had an opportunity to do a special on Netflix and you're gonna do these like, you know community jokes that we've all heard yeah a million times right and, and she had she was set in the degenerates mm-hmm. and um yeah she was like doing some shit there she was like trump wrote his name on his dick but he could only spell the tr and i was like that's a really a red bar I was talking about i was like that's an extremely old joke and i was like oh fuck yeah that is it's like 1640 someone said that shit for the first time you know like, I just, I, I feel like they, from what I've seen of their work, I'm like not 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 that impressed.
1: That said here, I remember seeing Tom's first Conan set and that being one of the best Conan sets I had seen uh, almost up until that point.
2: Oh, I love Completely Normal, Tom Segura's first special. That's one of the ones that I, when people ask me like, I want to get into comedy, what should I watch? I yeah. would always send them that one in like yeah. the circuit. And yeah. um, so I wish that he would keep being as funny as completely normal, but he is really, really, the, the quality is, is right. dropped substantially.
1: I will say this is uh, this is an out there observation, but there, I think there was a handful of comedians that um, they they got their big break and they were at the time kind of a little overweight or maybe more overweight. Mm-hmm. And then with some, uh, with some money and resources and time at hand, we're, we're able to, you know, Hire a trainer, get a nutritionist, and they like lost a bunch of weight. And I've noticed that like that, whatever they start doing, stand up, and they've lost a bunch of weight. And this isn't across the board, but I've just known a lot, a lot of comedians who do that. Do they get really mad about the weight they've lost? They're like very angry about it, and they, you know, their their premises range from like the people who are like, "Oh, you look so good," and. and they don't even like the compliments. That's how angry they are from like I couldn't eat my my favorite food anymore and I'm just like working out all the time and I'm always tired.
2: Yeah. And it's like I don't I don't want to I don't want to hear any stand-up comedian complain about having to eat $15 salads every day, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you didn't you didn't lose weight <laughs> like the old-fashioned poor way, and just like you couldn't afford food, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> you had to walk everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
2: I I, I never want to hear a comedian complain about like protein smoothies don't taste good, bitch. Stop drinking them. You're doing this to yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you're getting into. Did you watch Ellen's special where she? I mean, I'll I kind of give her credit for like owning that she's like a billionaire. <laughs>
2: I did watch Ellen's special and I really liked it. I I did.
1: I did too. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I think Funny. also she didn't, there was a, there was a good deal of it where she was not hiding who she was.
2: Yeah. When she said people are going to hand me a baby and I'm like, the sweater's cashmere. I really liked that joke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to hold your, your baby spit up on my nice sweater. I'm rich, bitch. Right,
1: right. And then people just, that's real funny. And then if you think about her her saying that in an office context, you're like, oh, no.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, at least she can abuse people and still be funny, Crystalia. Come on, you're not even fucking trying.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That is, not that that should earn you license, but hey, come on now.
2: Is the least you could do is have some talent.
1: <laughs> right. I want to hear how about the reception of the special. And, I mean, or and more of that. But how about some comedy news first?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's get into it.
0: All right, cool.
1: As things legitimately reopen, you might want to, I don't know, go out. And if you go out, you might want to feel and look your best. And, you know, by proxy, Take your health into your own hands. And that's why you might want to look into Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health and their life for good. They use a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on the Noom platform to help millions of folks meet their personal health goals. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique uh lord knows that not everyone can do two or three workouts a day and what works for you isn't you know necessarily what's going to work for you know anybody else and that's why noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle it's flexible focuses on your progress and not trying to be perfect uh, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finished the program. More than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So, start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe, again that's noom. N O O M dot com slash believe. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. I right, let's go with this first because I thought this you you might have an interesting take on this. Uh John Stewart uh was named last year as the latest recipient for the Mark Twain Prize, which is supposedly the highest honor in comedy. And for what the prize is supposed to be for is uh mar- honoring a comedian that actually has changed the way uh the americans think and the uh, american discourse i think john is actually the most deserving out of the last i don't know 10 or 15 snl alums that fucking got it um <laughs> lauren it's i don't it's not about like canceling lauren but it, uh, enjoy your millions buddy
2: yeah there, there's some people where it's like, I'm of the opinion that you have simply made enough money. Can you please go, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. and what? watch the second he leaves and somebody else goes in, uh, SNL all of a sudden becomes vibrant and like more fun.
2: I feel like the thing that's ruining SNL right now is their theater kid energy. Mm-hmm. I, and it's like, I know a lot of improv people are theater kids and I have nothing against theater kids, um, but like you, they do have to fight against their inner demons because they used to do those sketches where they'd all pretend like they were in high school doing a really shitty high school play, and those right. were all really funny. But now some of these sketches that SNL does are almost like a shitty high school play.
1: Right. Oh, you mean the, high the, high the the musical numbers that Milani writes?
2: <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> I really liked the first one of those, but then you like kept doing them and doing them. I'm like. Every time we're (laughs) going to sing.
1: Yeah, I, but like, yeah, now when it becomes like an expectation, like, oh, John's hosting, he has to do this, like outlandish yet very niche New York specific, although it might become LA specific because he's married to Olivia Money and lives here now.
2: I understand that. In New York City alone, there are more people than in, like, you know, 15 or 20 United States. But you still should try to make your comedy funny to people that don't live in New York City. I I do get a little bit annoyed if an episode of SNL has too many, like, you know, when you're at the bodega, it's like, no, bitch, I'm West Coast. I don't fucking get any of this shit. Right,
1: right, right. You know,
2: throw your hometown a bone every once in a while. But, like, not every fucking... Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah if I all right, I mean, I guess you could say Brooklyn, but if you start saying Park Slope or Bushwick what are you what, who is that for? Come on guys
2: yeah,
1: yeah. um anyway, so John Stewart, in his speech for the Mark Twain Prize for humor, uh commented that author authoritarianism <laughs> is the greatest threat to comedy uh, yeah, I can say that word um yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at what China is doing currently and they're sort of cracking down of uh, free speech and expression in Hong Kong and trying to bring Hong Kong into the fold of Beijing and not being such a special administrator uh, region anymore. Um, yeah, it seems like that is so true in a way that, I mean, I don't think we even viscerally understand in America.
2: Um, I think that we don't understand it because we don't want to see it when it's happening here. Right. Um, but here's like how I know all of those, like protect freedom of speech comedians are fucking misogynist. Right. Donald Trump tried to put Kathy Griffin in prison for that fucking ketchup mask photo.
1: Yeah. A, a paper mache head of Donald yeah. Trump that she was holding with ketchup.
2: Yeah. That like yeah. went viral, like the day after he got elected or whatever the fuck. Right. Right. Um, He tried to put her in jail for that. He tried to have her charged with attempt to kidnap and murder the president, which carries a fucking life sentence. Right. And the it's like she's one of the only stand-up comedians, American stand-up comedians in recent memory that has potentially faced jail time over a joke. And even if you don't think that the fucking ketchup mask photo was that funny of a joke, the point is that it was still not serious. Right. It was still a fucking bit. Yeah. And none of these freedom of speech comedians give a fuck they they openly talk shit about kathy griffin right um because like she's older and Mm -hmm. whenever i hear these stand-up comedians complaining about like you know women getting fat after they get older it's like kathy griffin stayed skinny and y'all still hate her so right
1: and she correct me if i'm wrong she's like not even a liberal anymore she like switched sides or something like that like 10 15 years ago
2: kathy griffin no i think that's roseanne Barr. kathy griffin is still very liberal okay yeah
1: there I've, i'm trying to I've, i feel like there was i mean it is a deep cut now uh there was an episode of tough crowd where i felt like she or something famous female comedian was like yeah i don't know if i'm like with the left anymore
2: i feel like that was i feel like i've heard roseanne say some shit like that because okay. she, roseanne used to be like friends with hillary clinton and then she like was all in for donald trump
1: Oh, yeah. Or maybe I'm trying, maybe I'm thinking of Bill Maher in a wake or something.
2: <laughs> Fucking might have been.
1: <laughs> yeah. Talk about a guy who's behind the times. Watch his latest special and seeming like, I mean, th- there's, I think it's a generational thing and I have a little bit of empathy for that, but I wish they would sort of step back and understand when you're saying like, oh, can we just, you know, all kind of just like, Stop being so angry and just like try to get along. That you're kind of saying, "Just shut the fuck up, please."
2: It is. Um, yeah, I hate to sound like such a like woke Portland, Oregon social justice warrior, but to quote Martin Luther King.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> sure.
2: Um, yeah, he Martin Luther King talked about like there's two different kinds of peace. There's a false peace, which is just the absence of like complaining. You know, so when people have their problems that you just don't have to hear about their problems, that's a false piece and he was like the true piece is the presence of justice when people have their problems solved so they don't have shit to complain about, not just when you don't have to listen to them complaining. And I feel like so many comedians um, like Bill Maher and like nearly all of the Rogan crew feel that way where they're like I don't want to hear about all this like me too black lives matter shit they won't say they don't want to hear black lives matter but they'll be like woke shit and woke means you know black people too they just don't want to come off as racist um but they all complain about like the fucking woke crowd and it's like you guys just don't want to hear them complain but if you got on board with their complaints then we could solve their problems and then you wouldn't have to listen to them complain because they wouldn't have shit to complain about. Like all of these male comedians that are like, I don't want to hear about all these women getting raped all the time. It's like, we don't want to tell you. Right. Uh, if you gave women the fucking resources they needed to deal with it themselves, you, I promise you women would not let you know every single time they get attacked. You know, we would, we would not keep men in the loop. Well, which,
1: um, which male comedians are complaining about this. That's, that's upsetting to hear. <laughs>
2: Uh, like Rogan and Friends, you know? Oh,
1: sure. Oh, I don't want to hear how my contemporaries are just uh, sexually assaulted all the time. It's yeah. it's re- a big downer.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know what? Can I complain about Segura some more? Sure. <laughs> all right. So uh, he, he was like all like panicking over uh, Chris Rock getting slapped. He's like, oh, comedian was slapped. Oh my god! And it's like you don't give a shit what Louis C.K. or Chris D'Elia did to stand-up comedians. This is opportunistic, racist pearl clutching. Mm -hmm. And I've heard Tom Segura talk, like, joke and laugh about how some of his fans are racist and he knows it, and how like these All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, like he sees MAGA hats at his shows, type of shit. I've heard him talk about how he's like, yeah, some of the comments these people leave, and it's like you know that a lot of these motherfuckers are racist and you're still going to tear down Jada. When Jada didn't do shit, you're you're still gonna like give them Jada and, and go after it. Like you're just gonna pretend like you don't know your fans are racist. Not caring about racism is like a form of racism in and of itself. Right. You know, right. just like choosing to not concern yourself with homophobia, transphobia, sexism—those are all just different forms of those bigotries. Where you're right. like, contribute to the problem, but I will violently ignore it."
1: Right. To sound yeah. less social justice warrior-y, I will look up the exact person who said this, or even quoted verbatim. I feel like that was is messy enough to make it seem like not so stuck up, mm-hmm. but. There is that famous quote about, uh, all it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing.
2: Yeah. 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 No, that's it. And all of these, you know, it's like Tom Seger, if you care about the way comedians are treated, why don't you say something to the Hollywood improv about booking D'Elia? He hurt way more comedians than Will Smith did, you know, and you're not, it's, it's just so, it's just so fucking like opportunistic and, and here's the thing as a comedian your take on the will smith chris rock situation should be slapping people is insane but that shit was funny as fuck Mm -hmm. and you know that if chris rock had gone up on stage not chris rock will smith had gone up on stage and slapped amy schumer for a joke tom segura would be shitting his pants making fun of that he would be laughing so fucking hard Mm -hmm. and he would be like being nice to amy you be like you know uh My heart goes out to Amy, but we've got to talk about how funny it fucking was. Right. He's only pretending like this one's not funny because he, Chris Rock's his favorite comedian. And I think he thinks that if he, like, makes a big enough stink Mm -hmm. over how Chris Rock was treated, that maybe Rock will want to be friends with him.
1: (laughs) Great. Great. That's the same sort of energy that uh, closed out Kevin Hart's last special, which he also got nominated for a Grammy for where he's like I wanted Jerry Seinfeld got such an uproar and applause for giving brick oven pizza to a party and I wanted to do that and then I did that and no one cheered beyond well yeah
2: why why do you think it was going to be the same Kevin <laughs> I did, I did something just for the applause and I didn't get the applause okay sorry <laughs>
1: yeah also you
2: didn't have to do all that
1: don't record a special in a basement that's bigger than most people's apartments in your fucking pajamas that cost more than my whole wardrobe
2: i mean i it's it's coven friendly but it's also a little out of touch i don't know i honestly i put on that special i don't remember if i finished it or not or if i just got so high that i right. don't remember much of it mm-hmm. but i do remember laughing my ass mm-hmm. off at right. a, a few parts of it i i
1: right.
2: some people shit on kevin hart i think he's fucking funny. Um, I'm not
1: I wouldn't say that Kevin isn't funny I do think he oh no I wasn't trying
2: to say you were saying that he was not funny right right yeah
1: I do think he is very much concerned with building an entertainment empire right now more so than doing stand-up
2: yeah and honestly I I don't fault him for that I I don't think that anyone who comes up through stand-up comedy has to just like stick with it forever you can like jump back and forth and work on other projects and shit right with Kevin Hart trying to build his little his little empire for himself Right. Uh, but yeah, you um I, I was I was pleasantly surprised because I was expecting I watched the new special expecting this to be like dog shit because he's focused so much of his energy onto like, you know, Kevin Hart, the brand, the movie yeah, stuff. Yeah. And again, I'm not putting him down for that, you know, make that money, but I thought i was ready for it to suck and then just when he was talking about like how like none of the bitches he cheated with would talk to him again and he was like even my old bitches like gladys please don't leave me and i just thought that shit was funny and maybe i was high and tipsy but i was i was having fun with it
0: sure sure sure, even in
2: his fancy ass basement and i like seeing rich people's houses so even if it's pretentious like walk me around your fucking mansion bitch
1: (laughs) well he should have walked us around his mansion (laughs) now (laughs)
2: <laughs> Next special, I want Kevin Hart telling a joke in every single one of the hundred rooms in his house.
1: Yeah, it'll be like a cribs style special.
2: I miss Cribs. I know yeah. they rented fake houses for that show, but I fucking loved it.
1: Right. Wait, I forget, I keep forgetting a bit. Red Man's was fake too.
2: Um they
1: like went to just like a house that was all mess like messy.
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't know whose was fake and whose wasn't. I know some people's were real and many people had rented fake houses for the show.
1: Yeah. And they all said, this is where the magic happens.
2: Magic happens.
1: Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Sex isn't that magical, guys. (laughs) Everyone, why isn't that taught in sex ed? You know, it's it's a thing that we do. Sometimes it's good.
2: I want to bring back Cribs sure. <laughs> and, and I want to bring back Pimp My Ride.
1: Yes, <laughs> and make more rides that people would be truly embarrassed to actually drive around as a
2: daily driver. I want to just make the most impractical vehicles as a form of fucking art. They had one. They're like, you said you like playing pool. We, we made you a truck with a pool table on the back. It's like, what if you need to move a couch? There's a pool table in the back of your fucking I could
1: have, I could have swore. Didn't they put an aquarium in a car?
2: Fucking did. They fucking put aquariums in shit. Uh-huh. Oh my God. I remember one, they pulled the they pulled the hood off the car and like a hundred rats fell out of it. Hell yeah. That was a fun one to just watch them clean it out and then just like paint it. It was just a fun, I just like looking at the shit, honestly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, next news story. Uh HBO Max, uh, their latest comedy project in development is based on the life of Hasidic rapper Nissim Black. It's in the works with Sally Richardson, Whitfield and Musha Katcher attached to uh, develop the project. Um, I have been liking where HBO Max has been going with comedy as the streaming wars go forward. I mean, I still think there's like some confusion or weirdness with the idea that there's things that are HBO Max only. And then there are things that are HBO that will just automatically be on HBO Max. And in terms of quality, I don't know, sometimes they're the same, but it's supposed to be better if it's just HBO, right?
2: I think people think that, but I mean, like everyone on Twitter has been talking about how HBO Max is a really shitty app with a lot of great content on it.
1: True, because you have to keep refreshing it.
2: I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I really like, I really like HBO Max, and also, like, good for Moshe Kasher, a fucking movie about a Hasidic Jew rapper that is, like, right up his alley.
1: Yeah, the most on-brand for Moshe you could be outside of adapting his memoir.
2: I was going to say, is is this, like, his, his life story?
1: Yeah. Almost. It's crazy if you ever see Moshe Casher do stand up and you should if you haven't or see him again if you have already seen him. It's crazy to think that he the life that he's has led has ended up where he is now. The, so much of his childhood is this sort of childhood you're like, how did you not die?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Just being like a reckless poor kid in the Bay Area with deaf parents. <laughs>
2: I do, he does have a wild upbringing. He's got a, a pretty wild life story.
1: Yeah. Um, I have not heard uh, of this specific acidic rapper, have you?
2: I have not, Um. I, I have no musical talent. I have no musical ability. And I feel like that has an effect on my ability to even appreciate good music. So really? I feel like, yeah. I, I listen to, like, mostly top 40s, and I think I think top 40s are fun, good music. Um,
1: There's a reason that they're top 40.
2: Yeah, and are I you, like I like Alternative Rock because I'm from Portland, Oregon. I was about to
1: say, like, if you're... But that's the thing. It's like, you like top 40 and you're from Portland? How dare you?
2: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they, I'd get shunned there, but they're all up their own asses. Britney Spears got some fucking hits. Sure.
1: Uh, I, look, Charlie XCX is catchy. I get it, except for that weird really experimental albums <laughs>
2: uh yeah but I, so i don't know too much about like a lot of um i know this is not what you were doing so don't get nervous but uh, just like when i was in acting class a lot of white people would come up to me and just start talking about rap albums and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about i love rap right and i love a lot of rap music but right. they'd be getting into this like niche nitty gritty shit because they just assumed i knew all the ins and out of like east coast west coast whatever the fuck right and I'm like, i have no idea who, what you're talking about. I don't know these niche rappers.
1: Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see this considering like, I mean, and Donald Glover's admitted this so much, like the original idea behind Atlanta was to like have this sort of dramedy that has, is a little otherworldly or magically real that falls kind of like somebody coming up through rap in Atlanta. And now he's like, well, I just wanted to make short films. That's it. I, that's really what the show is.
2: I and I don't hate it. No, know? it's great. Like, and I'm I honestly like wherever Donald Glover wants to take this show, I'll follow him. Yeah, he's really like I like what he's doing with it. He doesn't have yeah. to stick to any uh yeah no specific shit.
1: I love the theme of season two. It seems to be like, hey, you're a you're also incredibly racist. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving the new season. The first episode of the new season was really wild. Yeah. I, um, yeah, listened to like a whole podcast about some of the shit they were parodying, but if I can shit on Santino for a quick second.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Shit away. Shit away.
2: Um, at the end of Home Field Advantage, um, mm-hmm. that's the special that I watched. It the only one of his is that I've watched, and that's the one where he had the joke about like black men how to stay away from white women. I'm like, yikes, bro. Um, uh, uh-huh. But at the end of that, he goes on this like whole rant about how Macklemore is like the worst thing for rap because he won that award over Kendrick Lamar. And it's like, yeah, that was fucked that Macklemore did get that award over Kendrick. Um, but now Andrew Santino is starring in Dave, which is like FX's white people rip off of Atlanta. Right. So I'm like, you you kind of uh, you're kind of doing what Macklemore was doing it you're just doing it for money that's why macklemore is doing it and and i feel like macklemore is like a better person than santino sure <laughs> so you know I, I don't think macklemore hangs around with these these you know motherfuckers who fuck high schoolers and, and just cheat constantly i don't think he keeps those people around him
1: yeah he's just uh, telling people to shop at thrift stores
2: yeah yeah <laughs> like- and, and
1: i mean you know it's a little cringe but he's he's pro L queer people
2: yeah it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's like he can be cringe at times, but at least he's not a scumbag, Santino. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like, mean, okay. I don't, I, if Santino, I don't know if he wasn't a frat, but he feels like a quintessential frat guy.
2: He might've been, and he might just be one of those guys that was like, ah, I always wish I could have been in the frat. That was my dream and I didn't get it. And now he's trying to live the frat life, but he's also married. And it's like, you can live the frat life as a 40 year old dude. It's weird and it's cringe, but just don't have a wife that you constantly lie to about where you are, because that's extremely lame. You can just live your life and, you know, either be married if you want to be married or be single if you want to be single, ask her if she wants to be open. She says, no, split up, give her half the money and go fuck as many people as you want. Like, right. yeah, just don't use yeah. do a bag.
1: Also, I, I want to say that the Greek life being in a fraternity or sorority is you renting friends. That is what that is. You <laughs> have to pay to be in there. Oh, fuck. And, and, and you're forced to do social activities With these people and because you're inebriated half the time you're like trauma bonding over all this horrid shit that they make you do oh my god yeah yeah whether it's like raising a chicken and killing it in front of all your uh people in your rush class or like from sororities i've heard that they like the head sorority sisters at really bad ones will strip you down and then like take a, a sharpie and mark problem areas
2: i've heard that too I've heard, um, of like making girls sit on a newspaper and watch gay porn. And if the newspaper sticks to you when you stand up, then you're out. And it's wow. like, what is that? I've heard, but at the same time, a lot of, I look at, um, I'll believe anything you tell me that happened about a frat house. Some of these sorority stories I look at with caution because men get so horny and they just want to think, oh, the girls, they're in there spanking each other. And it's like, maybe they're, you know, just like drinking mimosas and, and, Playing charades, I don't know fucking though.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure because I've met some of them in person. But like, you know, there are women in in, who join sororities that are very sexually active, and that's great. There are, are a lot of them that aren't. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And there's definitely some like a, uh, you know, creepy predators that, that like the position of power in frat houses and sorority houses. And they just want to make their fucking pledgelings or whatever you fucking call them do yeah. the weird shit. And it's yeah. like, that can happen with a man or a woman, but.
1: Yeah. 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 The, uh, a- as, uh, uh, as uh, Kate Willett has coined, the glass gutter has broken on that part for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so yeah that it, it'll it, it'll be the latest in a rap comedy that's coming to hbo max if it is picked up to series uh again i feel like dave and this will, are actually more focused on rap as opposed to atlanta and i, I guess that that will that'll be a, a curious look because i i feel like atlanta is just interesting and, and yeah. so, so darkly funny at so many times. Um, and has, you know, I feel like, you know, they'll bring it back to Paperboy every once in a while. Oh yeah, it was supposed to be a rap? Oh yeah, here, yeah. Um, but, you know, as long as, I mean, I don't ever wanna say like, this is set in stone or what I, but like, I am enjoying a long break from Shows that are about the lives of a stand-up comedian, uh-huh. uh, and then being a comedian coming up in it, even though they're already successful, and that's why they got that sitcom.
2: Yeah, yeah, I um, I feel like stand-up comedians are not as endearing as they want to be. Right times. Um, a lot of comedians want to look at themselves as an underdog. So then, when they're doing their shows, that's about themselves. It's like this underdog show. But the only way to you get a TV show is if you're not an underdog, right? Um, right. You know, at right. least an, at least an HBO show. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I I get where I they don't make me mad, but I do understand why people have um, maybe the market's been oversaturated.
1: Oh sure, but, it definitely has.
2: You know, the life of a crazy comedian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're gonna
1: cut it off for news over there. Uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to hear more about how the reception has gone. I, you mentioned comments and mostly positive And then I, I don't know. I feel like you, you, you really come out like guns a blazing, shots are fired. That like you, anybody trying to talk trash to you, it's just like a bunch of hot air that isn't doing anything.
2: Yeah, I, I, um, I was prepared for more haters. I really was. Um, and I, um, yeah, I, I was ready for like more people to like shit on it and tear it down. Yeah. Um, I was ready for like, maybe some of the people who are mentioned in it to be, you know, try to like tear me apart or something like that, or make fun of it on my special or on their their podcast. (laughs) I'm
1: sure their PR teams are like, you know, it'll go away if you just don't talk about it.
2: That's the, yeah, that's what I'm realizing now is they're like, (laughs) ignore it. It'll go away.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But you know, because it's like true baby. Right. So like, don't give it (laughs) more fuel
2: for real. I feel like if I feel like they don't want to, um, make fun of it because then more people will see it and it, it would get more popular. Yeah. Think. Um, yep. and that's why they're, and, but it's like, you're a up comedian. If you're like a professional comedian, if you're like, you know, so funny, so good, the funniest one of the funniest people in the whole world, then like surely you can just tear me to shreds with a single tweet, you right. know?
0: Right.
2: Um, that being said, uh, the most annoying haters that I've gotten are uh, Tom and Christina fans. They just come and they comment like jeans on your pictures and shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what am I supposed to feel here? You know, uh-huh. it reminds me of being an, um, a senior in high school, all the freshmen in high school and all the junior hires just all started talking with a British accent. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this looks like you guys, I feel like you guys are having a lot of fun and I don't want to hate on you for having fun, but this shit is so fucking annoying. Can you please do it in the corner where I can't fucking hear it? And that's all these like Tom and Christina fans who are like, "Your uh, uh-huh. Eugene are, are too loose. Uh-huh. Or, you know, and you're like, okay. Uh, it looks like you're having fun. Go away. You're you're uh-huh. so annoying. Um, a few people, a few people that I thought wouldn't like it liked it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I didn't expect a bunch of like support from like the fighter and the kids subreddit. And like oh, okay. all the people that hate Brendan Schaub, I figured that they would all just hate me too, even though they hate him and they loved it. They uh, have been like leaving crazy comments on my shit in gibberish I didn't even fucking understand. All right um yeah I got uh it got like retweeted on Twitter a whole bunch and and some uh some of my favorite comedians have like talked about how they liked it and uh Laurie Kilmartin and Jackie Cation gave it a shout out uh, of course and- they would yeah Yeah. Anthony Jeselnik made fun of it and but he also said he really enjoyed it and he told his fans to watch it and when he did it like shot up six thousand more views immediately
1: right also Jesselnik kind of famously hates a lot of his fans yeah because <laughs> they don't I, get that he's kidding yeah yeah
2: i i was loving it i was right. so excited it's so weird to uh even like hear anthony jesselman's voice say my fucking little fake ass stage name for comedy <laughs> i was like yo this is like surreal i texted um a friend of mine and i was like anthony justin like, talked talked about me i'm in too deep like i <laughs> <laughs> But that was, it was really fun. And he, Anthony just like said that he was glad he wasn't mentioned in it. And I was like, good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, if you ever get to meet Anthony in person, he is actually a really nice guy. And Anthony makes sure to have a woman open for him. From what I understand almost all the time. And it's like a woman that is pretty much not anything like him. Like Cameron Esposito used to open it for him a lot. Mm-hmm. Cameron is. Nothing like Anthony, at
2: just all. The fucking exact opposite.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that,
2: was, that was cool getting getting that shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought that like I'd be scared of the comments, but I was looking at everything everyone was tweeting me, and it was like ninety five percent people just loving the shit out of it, and then like five percent. I mean, not even 5% like haters, but right. they were just so far and few between that it was like when someone would comment and be like, this is not funny, where's the jokes? It's like, bro, I just read a hundred tweets from people saying that they were pissing themselves laughing. Right. So if like, I have no doubts that there's a bunch of people that don't find it funny at all and find right. it like unprofessional. And and it's like, honestly, it's not even my best work. It's just something I put together in a few fucking days during a fucking manic episode, probably. <laughs> that that I just spent so much money on that I was like, I have to release it or else I just wasted $700. So these people- That's also
1: a great name for the special, by the way, Alice. (laughs) Sex criminal or I spent $700 on this, so I have to release it. it.
2: Yeah, that was literally, I was like, all right, let's just throw it out there. And I I just was like, you know, it's better than nothing. It's better than not doing anything. I'll just, you know. Right. Whenever anyone would say like, you know, you're I thought people would make fun of me for sweating because I'm pouring sweat like (laughs) a fucking TV preacher. Right. Right. uh, I thought people would make fun of that. And I haven't seen that mentioned in a single comment.
1: Right. You'd think that
2: the Segura fans would at least be like gross and sweaty after. I? That's the grossest I've ever felt in my body when I left because that dress I'm wearing is just a sweater. Uh-huh. And I'm wearing tights on, which don't breathe at all. They're just, like...
1: Right, right. And, and it, it's a like- tiny cafe in Thai town yeah. called Fourth Wall Cafe.
2: Yeah, tiny cafe. I also had, like, knee-high socks on under the boots for no reason. I could have just worn regular socks. Uh-huh. And so I got on stage and just immediately started, like, profusely sweating. And you can just keep me wiping the sweat through the whole special. Right. I thought people would make fun of that. No one's fucking mentioned it at all.
1: Right. Well, because they're too scared
2: yeah well I
1: mean the thing is like that's like you know there are plenty of people who are quote-unquote edgy oh they're so edgy Mm -hmm. they honestly tiptoe around just like well-trodden territory that I mean it's not edgy it's boring yeah oh talking about oh you're edgy because you talk about 9-11 or you do a rape joke or race that isn't edgy you know honestly I think about this a lot Maria Bamford's edgy yeah. Maria talks about mental health in a way that for a lot of people can be uncomfortable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she does it in a truthful way that like is unfiltered and uh, but it's beautiful and really funny.
2: Uh, Maria Bamford shared this special which again I was just like <laughs> fucking floored. Uh, yeah. Maria Bamford, Kathy Griffin, Jen Kirkman, Patton Oswalt, Lori Kilmartin. Like, they were all uh, like just kind of shared it on Twitter and I just really fucking appreciated that and I was fucking you know yeah, a little hard up. That uh, some people that I really respect liked it, right, right. It, or, or just were trying to help me out enough to share it,
1: right, right. Um, in terms of, I feel like at, because of the circumstances under which you made it, you kind of like I don't know, I, hopes and expectations for it be, perhaps became a little fuzzy uh but do you have any hopes or expectations for it now is there like has it coalesced into something that like means something or is this like is this what accountability looks like for um, cancel culture i don't know
2: i mean like i'm 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 like i'm really proud of it um some of the people that crystalia hurt have reached out to me and told me that um they really liked it and that it was like cathartic for them Mm -hmm. and found it healing in some way and so at the end of the day it's like no matter who tells me like oh you know you're you got bad stage presence it's like yeah i know that's not my best stage presence but i'm still so fucking proud of this thing i'm really proud of it some people were saying that like you know it's just like anger and and the thing is that like a woman being angry is like not that funny to men (laughs) it's a lot funnier to women and so I understand uh, a lot of like, that's the reason why a lot of people were like, oh, this is just whatever. I don't like it. And it's like, that's fair. You know, mm-hmm. It's not. It's, I didn't make it for everyone. Yeah. I made it mostly for women, honestly. Right.
1: right. Yeah. To those people, go watch Jeff Foxworthy's special where he keeps saying back in the good old days over and over and over and over. And nobody checked at all to see if that would be a problem. <laughs> that old white guy with a fucking push broom mustache saying oh back in the good old days
2: yeah it's like there's plenty of there's plenty of state of comedy for you guys you don't got to watch my shit if you don't like it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. yeah i mean to anybody's like oh like we're a are the men in comedy we're like it's it's still mostly for you
2: yeah <laughs> truly like yeah so little is being asked of them and they're just being so hysterical
1: right I mean, I do like that you're very explicit in details about like Delia or whoever you're kind of taking out. I, I imagine that your set list looked like uh, Beatrix Kiddo's kill list that you're just crossing one day after the other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A half hour. That's the, the sort of energy yet. Uh, oh
2: goodness, no. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and other. like, and you know. I think there is something to be said in terms of like, maybe this can be some form of accountability and that like, so it's on YouTube in theory, it's on there forever. And mm-hmm. this is a special where it's not even like we're saying that Christalia is like an alleged sexual predator that you're like, here is how he is. And here's some jokes in it. I, you know, I mean, there's no, like agreed upon committee or consensus on how we're supposed to deal with different levels of sex pests or predators or assaulters or whatever. And that's real sad. And I don't know what the school solution for this, but but like, do you feel that there's some, any iota of justice in any of this?
2: Um, I, I don't know, honestly. And I don't know like what justice would like necessarily be In this situation, and like a lot of people don't know, you know, like you said, with sexual predators, a lot of people don't know what justice looks like. I feel like male comedians always are like, why don't these women call the police? And it's like, well, because the justice system isn't necessarily the the answer for this. Right. Um, But uh, I think that um, I I was just thinking to myself, if they can make rape jokes and I can make fun of people I think are rapists. Right. Right. So that's what I'm gonna do. If you can joke about anything, I choose Chris D'Elia and his family and his allegations and his shitty friends.
1: And that's the state of comedy in 2022, <laughs> everyone.
2: Doing it. <laughs>
1: yeah, equity between making fun of alleged rapists and then making rap jokes when you yourself are not a rape victim or, or doing anything healing uh, through joking about uh, rape. Great, great guys. <laughs> so outside of all the special, I you know, I want to uh, bring it to a close here. What are you looking forward to doing next? Uh do you wanna keep going down this road? Do you wanna I mean again, Alice has so many great jokes that had nothing to do with this. And in terms of stage presence, the first time I saw Alice, she went on stage while there was a extremely drunk guy in the back of this. Mexican bar who just did not (laughs) stop talking and her poise was to be admired (laughs) and he shut the fuck up
2: and he shut the fuck up yeah (laughs) I actually I I don't like doing like a surprise bar show but when you see people that weren't into the comedy show turn and start laughing at your jokes that's always a good feeling
1: yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely absolutely so yeah I mean you know that was a long-winded eloquent way of saying what's next
2: um, I have a JFL callback that I'm really excited for. I'm preparing for that right now. Oh. And I feel really hey. confident about my set. Right. I'm really excited for it.
1: Hey, JFL, it would look really good if you gave Alice the spot instead <laughs> of giving it to whatever agency has guaranteed spots like you ha- always do.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Fucking we're, we're going to give one to Chris D'Elia. He's a new face. He's back. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, now he's a new face
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah because he's done work or whatever
2: now that the life in his eyes is completely dead he kind of does have a new face <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great that's great oh my god Alice. was so so funny all right so jfl yeah thank they, you for
2: having me on
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely uh is there anything else you would like to promote where can people find you online
2: Um, I'm on Twitter at Alice R. Hamilton, and I'm on Instagram at M-I-S-S Alice Hamilton, Miss Alice Hamilton. Um, You can find me on Venmo at Alexandra Rose H and send me a fucking $5 so I can get some teeth removed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Remember, she spent $700.
2: Yeah, this money could have spent on my teeth.
1: (laughs) Yes. And watch Sex Criminal, uh, available for your streaming pleasure for free on YouTube. Again, Easter. spelled C-E-X-K-R-I-M-I-N-A-L, hmm. uh, which I just learned is abbreviated for CK, even though yeah. he's not the main target in the special.
2: Nah. No. <laughs> he gets no. a, a little wink in the title.
1: He gets a little <laughs> wink. Even though he, out of everybody that you uh, take on, he admitted it. You don't have to say alleged. He did it. Yeah. He yeah. fessed yeah. up. Yeah. And then I'll also say, Sincerely Louis CK, uh, he won the Grammy for Best Comedy Album. I earnestly listened to it because it's on YouTube for you to listen to. And like, he's creatively taken his step back. This is like, it, I think he like reverted to like chewed up in terms of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, I guess I was this mischievous little boy that likes jerking off all the time anyway. That's what I really wanted to do. I like, uh, Louis was like, hailed as an artistic masterpiece or whatever. I just wanted to do dumb bullshit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining me here on the Comedy Bureau Field Report. I'm Jake Ruger, I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com at the Comedy Bureau across socials. Uh, so many great causes to support this time. I'd ask you please support those. Uh, but if you have any generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau because it's been running 11 years all under my watch and it'd be really great uh to get some support from you uh do you have anything to say as we sign off
2: um no thank you for having me this was really fun
1: absolutely absolutely any time alice uh comedy is very much happening and as the great Barry stevens would say enjoy it <laughs> Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger, music by Brian Gornillo, artwork by Andrew Delman and KT, and part of the Believe Podcast